Here the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Happy New Year's, everyone. So I usually reflect on the Gospel only, um, but today we'll merge the, the two occasions together because they are related with New Year's and the concepts we've been covering for the last three weeks um, in the Gospels. So I was wondering what's so special about about New Year? Why is it uh, why is it such a big deal? If we're doing the same thing over and over and over again, then what's special about a new one? Because if someone simply is existing, right, just living, what is unique about one day from another, or a new week from another, or a new year from another? It's basically just a continuing of the cycling of time. So I was wondering, what is it about the new year we're supposed to be excited about? Like, what is it about the newness that's supposed to make us very excited. And I remember when I was a kid and there'd be things that I wanted badly. Maybe it was a toy or a game or something specific that I had wanted for a long time. I would save up my money for it for a long time. And then after I had saved up, I wasn't allowed to just buy it. I then had to go ask my parents if I could then be allowed to use the money that I had saved to buy this thing. And then when I got it, I wasn't allowed to use it whenever I wanted. <laughs> I still had to use it at certain times, right? I was only allowed to use it a certain amount of times per week, and if I behaved and if I did all sorts of things. Some people are here from my church, so they know what my parents are like. Um, so it wasn't um, like I could just use it whenever I wanted. I was only allowed to use it for a certain time period with certain restrictions. So some people would probably call this extreme. I definitely did when I was that age, but I'm not sure anymore. Because when I got older, right, and started to make my own money, I was able to buy whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. Just what I had always dreamed of. So if I did that, so I, I actually did that, right? If I wanted a Wii, I bought a Wii. If I wanted a game, I got a game. If I wanted bookshelves, I got bookshelves. If I wanted a book, I got a book. If I wanted to go to Egypt, I went to Egypt. I could do whatever I felt like whenever I felt like, which at first is really nice, right? It was very in enjoyable. But then the reality sets in, right? Is that things lose their meaning when they're free. Things lose their meaning when they are cheap. When things are cheapened, we take them for granted. So where is the joy of the game when you can do it whenever you want? You don't understand what it's like to have fun unless you know what it's like to work. Where is the joy of seeing people after a long time if I start to see them all the time, right? You don't miss them anymore because they're always there, right? You run out of things to, to talk about or excitement because it's just always there. Where is the joy <clears throat> of acquiring new knowledge, right, and getting new new books if it's just a thing now to have books on your shelf, just a thing to have knowledge? And where was the excitement of a toy if I had so many, right? When you have hundreds in your in your room, where is the excitement of just one? It's just another one on the pile. New things no longer would bring the same joy. So during this time of year, we've been talking about God coming to renew the world. That's what we've been talking about every single week over and over, right? Is that God was coming for a renewal. 
And this renewal is him not bringing us something different, but bringing our minds around to it. Right? So on this Sunday's Gospel, we see him having to do something different. It is not a different message, but he had to do something different. Zacharias needed to go mute, right? And to give his son a new name. He needed to do something completely different from what they're used to, to bring people's mind back to something. To say, no, something different is happening. Right? Otherwise, it was the same thing, the mundane of every single day. Just another day going to the temple, just another day raising the incense. Right? But he's like, no, I need to show them that something is actually happening. Something to break through the monotony of, of existence and to, to penetrate the dullness and repetition that has overtaken them and sometimes ourselves. So the renewal, the renewal was not a change. Okay, so the newness was not in God giving a new meaning. The newness was actually in recovering something that was already there. He came to restore the existing image and likeness in which we were created, not to give us a new one. Right? He didn't say, okay, well that didn't work, alright, I'm going to make them a new kind of creature, a new kind of human. No, it was the exact same kind of human that we were already supposed to be, that He's renewing. Right? So this, this newness isn't God undoing His work. It's a God restoring what was already there. He gave and renewed the meanings of the covenant and of what it meant to be His people and our God. He didn't say the new covenant wasn't, well, you know what, you're no longer, if the Old Testament covenant was you're my people and I'm your God. He didn't say I've got a new one. Right now you're someone else's people and I'll be someone else's God. No, it was still, you can be my people and I will be your God. And let me just renew to you what that means. Let me renew to you how to express that. Right? Maybe I'll renew the, the, the way to manifest that. But there isn't really a new covenant in terms of, of wrecking up an old deal and saying I'm going to try um, a brand new way of dealing with these people. And he didn't have a new kind of creation. He didn't have a new kind of humanity for himself. He restored us to newness by bringing us back to the origin of that thing. He showed us why things are as they are and reminded us to be who we are supposed to be. This is why St. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is in the mind that newness can begin to transfigure, right? It's in, it's in here. By looking for the meaning of things. When we're kids, we don't grasp a lot of concepts. We just know what we feel in those moments, right? We only know just our, our emotions when we're in those places. But as we age, we begin to actually understand. The only way to keep the same joy and love around something is to always go back to the meaning of that thing, which requires our minds to become activated. If we do not go back to the meaning, then we just exist aimlessly. We're just doing activities, right? We're physically doing the motions. If there were new meanings all the time, which is what some people are looking for, then the reality is that that would mean that actually nothing has any meaning, right? Which is a bit philosophical. But if something's meaning changes every week, then it never meant that, or it wouldn't change, right? But there's a thing that is real, a thing that has meaning always has that meaning. And what we need to do is recover that meaning. 
So we ought to reflect on our lives and their meanings today in the spirit of Advent and also in the spirit of New Year. Ask yourself, are you stagnant? Right? Are you in a state of just being cold? Are you bored? Right? Whether it's spiritually or with your families or with your work or with your school or with whatever it is. Are you bored? Are you not moving? Are you just existing? Because if you are, then you forgot the meaning. Right? It means that something has been lost. It's turned into repetitive behavior. Where am I in my relationship with my God, with my family, with my friends, with my extended family and others? And what is the root cause of this? Right? Where, where did I develop this stagnance? For the Israelites in today's gospel, they were just doing their religious duties. That's what they were doing. It was simply, if you read like the gospel from three weeks ago, it just says it was Zachariah's turn right, to pray. It was his lot, right? They, the, the priestly tribes, they divided up their responsibilities, right? You cast lots, and whatever lot you got, that was your responsibility, and then you just took turns. So Zechariah was just taking his turn. That's all he was doing when he went into the sanctuary. He wasn't caught in a religious high the day that the angel came. It wasn't like he was in a spirit of, of zeal um, where he was in a, a very religious state. No, he wasn't at all, actually, which is why... In spite of an angel appearing, he couldn't grasp the message of it, right? He was in such a state that the message of the angel saying, you're going to have a kid, instead of being exciting to him, right? He had acquired a mindset of, of, of sleep, right? He wasn't excited. He was questioning, right? And not questioning in the, in the healthy way, right? Like St. Mary, right? Instead, it was, uh, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. How on earth is this going to even happen? I'm old. My wife is old. Right? He lost even the zeal for hope, which tells you something. Right? Some of us think that if we have all of these supernatural experiences and we're doing all of these things, we're going to be so excited when something happens. No, that's not the case. That's not the case we can see right here. Because if I'm not in a mindset of wanting God and, and, and desiring God and having an actual communion with God, then religious news doesn't bring me excitement, right? A supernatural event doesn't bring me joy because it's not what I live for. It's not the thing that I'm actually genuinely, authentically interested in. So we could have a message come to us and not grasp it and not enjoy it. The dialogue and relationship and love of God wasn't in Zacharias the same way that it was in St. Mary. He had it, just not in the same fullness that St. Mary had. Are we like these Israelites? Are you like these Israelites? Are you so removed from God from, our, from, from your hearts or from our hearts that we only have a physical relationship with Him? Right, Going into the temple and raising incense. right, Just coming every week and just praying liturgy because we're supposed to do it, and nothing else? Or do I have the internal disposition of love towards Him? All these things we've talked about for the last four weeks, about what it is to be human, what it is to be the image and likeness of God, do I think on the meaning of those? Right? We're saying to recover the newness, I have to go to the meaning. Do I know what the meaning of that is? Or am I content to be less than what I'm made to be? Right? Am I happy to just... Forget the image and likeness of God and just be an animal, right? Or have I thought about what it means to be human, what it means to be 
called and to be a son of God. If I think of that, it, it immediately gives it meaning. If you recover the meaning of what it is to be God's son and heir, your newness could begin immediately. Right? Imagine, think of somebody who their whole life thought they were someone's kid and discovered when they were 25 that they were adopted. What happens the, the instant that they find out that they are an adopted child? There's a newness of mind, right? They're right away, they're like, who am I? Who are my real parents? What does that mean? What does that mean about me? What does that mean about my history? They will immediately be looking into their history. They'll immediately want to know what is their identity. And yet, we are called the sons of God, and we don't care, some of us, right? We need to recover the meaning. Think on whether or not you are stagnant, whether you remember the meaning of these things. What is it that we're saying? What is it that we're praying? When you're praying the liturgy, are you actually bringing your mind into it? When the priests and the deacons call your attention and say, let us attend, that in modern English means pay attention, right? That's what it means. When the, when the deacons are saying, look towards the east, you're already looking towards the east. They're not, they're not blind to that. Right? They're saying, pay attention, look, look to the front, bring your mind to the prayer. And then pray. Right? When we're saying, pray for the peace of the church, do you pray for the peace of the church? Right? When you say, pray for our high priests and the bishops and all these people, are you praying, help them actually be good bishops, let them actually be good priests, let them actually be good servants, men and women who are serving in the church? When we pray for the seeds and the herbs and the plants of the field this year, do you actually think of that? We're in a drought. There are farmers who are losing their livelihood, right? Because their seeds aren't growing because there's no water. When we pray for the rising of the water, do you think of those people and their kids and the people who are less fortunate because they're affected by these things, right? The newness of mind. Bring your mind to attention, right? Of the things that we're saying, the things that we're doing. We can't live mindlessly. We need to have a renewal of our minds. The second question, are you living in sin, right? And I don't just mean this in the sense of dramatic sins, right? Because often the less dramatic ones are the more dangerous ones. The dramatic ones people recognize and people are afraid of and they're embarrassed about, right? So a lot of these things we're good to avoid just because we're afraid of our image. But the small diseases are the things that we seem to think are okay to live in and with, and they're not. Sins are illnesses, right? And illnesses left untreated are extremely hurtful, harmful, and can cause death. So if you are living in illness all the time, then you have forgotten the meaning of health, and you need it renewed, right? This is the time of, of renewal. If you are living in illness, then you don't have the energy that you need to enjoy life. If you're living in illness, then you have things handicapping you from a full and meaningful spiritual existence, right? And you need a renewal. And this is why the message of St. John, the forerunner, right? His message, his, his mission that's identified here, is that if you want to be healed, if you want to participate in this life, you have to repent, which means be healed. That's all it is, right? Just to turn around. To, to fix it, right? That's why when St. John comes out, he doesn't have an elaborate message of saying, do 500 matanyas and 12,000 years of fasting. He doesn't come with that. He says, change, right? Just say a change. If you're doing this, stop it, right? If you're taking things that aren't yours, stop it. If you are lying, don't lie, 
If you are taking advantage of people, stop it. That's all it is. Repentance is just saying, I'm sorry, I'll stop. That's all that it is. So ask yourself, are you living in this? Imagine, think of a child with rickets or some vitamin deficiency, okay? And put that child next to a child in the same house without that deficiency and watch them grow. Let them live in the same household and let them grow. How much more joy will the one without the deficiency have? Much more, right? Because the child's body is functioning as it should, right? It wasn't a reward. It's functioning the way it is supposed to function, right? It is healthy. If the other child is cured of its deficiency, right, that child hasn't received a new health. The child has received its proper health, right? It has received the existing health that it's supposed to have. It received the health of the thing that has somehow gone wrong. It already possessed the health, but something went wrong. And while affected by the deficiency, right, this child couldn't enjoy the health, right, because it was affected by this thing that had gone wrong. This is what we are supposed to be doing spiritually, is that we are recovering our, our, our newness, right, by recovering an existing health. St. Anthony, when he talks about virtue, right, St. Anthony and, and most of the Desert Fathers, they like to talk about the spiritual life from a positive. They talk more about the virtue than the sin. He doesn't say, you need to go get this virtue that's far away from you. He doesn't say, you need to go pick up patience from somewhere. He says the opposite. He says that all of us have in us the image and likeness of God. We were created to be in perfection. What we're doing in our repentance, in our renewal, is discovering the virtue that is already within us. Right? I'm suffering from selfishness. And if I get rid of it, I will discover my generosity. Right? If I, I suffer from anger, and I discover that I actually have patience underneath it. Right? It's the opposite is that we're recovering proper health from within us. We're not taking something far away from us. We're not taking something that's external to us. We're discovering the, the image and likeness of God that is within us. So ask yourself at the beginning of this year, what are the diseases that you have that are curable, that you don't want to deal with, that you haven't been dealing with? Right? These, what Pope Shenouda used to call his, the, the little foxes. Right? Those, those little things that, that we like, these pet wild beasts right? that are within us. What are the things that I'm avoiding, that I don't want to confront, that are inside of me and that are curable? What are the illnesses that you need to have treated so that you can have your health restored? Go to your spiritual doctor and go get the treatment. Be renewed. It's very, very, very simple. It's not a difficult thing. Right? Everybody should be looking for renewal and repentance at the beginning of the year. Finally, my priest back home every year, every year used to give us a spiritual exercise for the whole congregation that all of us had to follow. And it was an instruction to, to keep for at least like that whole year. So I'm going to be arrogant and I'm going to give you guys two this year. Two exercises um, for everyone to practice. And the intention of this is that we work on things with diligence and honesty, right? To become more in His image and likeness, um, in the image of God we were created. One is, the first one is, is for families and for couples, and every single person has a family 
of some kind, right? And that is at least, like, underlined at least once a week to pray and read the Bible together, right? Obviously, everyone is praying and reading the Bible daily on their own, hopefully. Um, but I mean together. Discussing it, dialoguing about what you read, not just reading it and slamming it shut. No, discussing what you read and what you can live from it and praying as a unit. If you already do this, then do more, right? Then, 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 then increase it, unless you already do this daily. If you're already doing this daily, then great, you're already doing the exercise. Because our life with God is supposed to be the core and goal of all that we do, right? If that's what a family is about, if that's what a relationship is about, if that is what your parenthood is about, if that is what your childhood is about, then why are we not doing it together? Right? We have to be able to read and pray together. If we don't, it means that we don't like to, or it means that we don't value it, or it means that we think something else is more important as our foundation than our God. So let's have a renewness of the meaning. Let's bring it back to the focus and say, if this is, the focus is Christ. And if the goal is Christ, then let's make Christ actually the foundation. It has to be in your married lives, in your family lives. And how can we expect to instill it in our children if we don't live it ourselves? So you're not going to just do this for your children. If you're trying to teach it to your children, it's supposed to be because it's true and right, not because it's something that little kids can benefit from and that you don't. So whether you're a child or a senior or an adult or an adolescent, right, at least once a week, family time together to read the Bible and, and pray. Our family used to do that growing up. And we used to get in trouble a lot because sometimes we would laugh and sometimes we would misbehave. But today they're warm memories, right? And that discipline, right, helped preserve me and my siblings through college and university, right? Is is the sense of I need to pray. I need to have a spiritual life. Let's have that instilled. The second exercise for all is one that I, I completely stole from my from my priest that he gave us years ago. But it's an exercise that I never forgot because our family did it as a family and out loud and it benefited us. And the excuse, this was to make excuses for every wrong that someone does against you, right? We're Christians, right? And we, we claim that we're supposed to turn the other cheek. This is part of loving my neighbor. The specific rule that Abuna gave us back home in Canada was actually 10 excuses, right? So the minute somebody wrongs you, um, immediately give them 10 excuses no matter what. Your excuses don't even have to be the right, right? You don't have to know that you're right about your excuses. You just have to find 10 possible reasons. Somebody cuts you off on the road and your immediate desire is to let them know how you really feel. No, instead, give them 10 excuses. Maybe his wife is having a baby. That was my mom's one, right? Maybe something urgent is happening at home. Maybe he's about to miss a flight, right? There's all sorts of things. Think of what are the possible reasons why this person may have done something to wrong me and just forgive. You don't need them to come and, and, and tell you, yeah, you're right about these excuses, right? But let us start to acquire the spirit of, of Christianity, right? Which is to love my neighbor as myself, to do unto others as I would have unto myself, to forgive, to turn the other cheek, right? So let's start at the very least by bringing our minds to it actively for this renewal of saying, I will not hold something against somebody. 
May the Lord grant us to grow in love for Him and one another, to look away from the norms of the world and the grasp of sin towards a renewal of mind and a restoration of His image and likeness. Glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Your can